Hey, what's up? It's episode 40, Pain Points of Wealth, and the major indices aren't going anywhere fast. If you look at the Dow, the S&P, we've basically been in the same place now for the last two months. The NASDAQ, big tech, been in the same place since mid-January. However, when you start looking under the surface, cryptocurrencies are getting rocked right now. That inflationary pressure we've been talking about, it, we're still seeing it in commodity prices. As we're recording this, oil's going through the roof. This big rotation, it continues to happen. We're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about strategically what you need to be doing, what you need to be thinking about with your portfolio right now. And on the tipping point, we're going to talk about all those shiny objects in the financial world. The financial services industry loves to sell you things that you don't need. We're going to show you how to point that out. We're going to point it out to you, show you how to avoid all those shiny objects at all costs. Check it out. We got a great show. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey, Chris, I don't know what Ryan's talking about. The market's not going anywhere. We're at all-time record highs in our portfolio. I look at my account the other day. It's like a nice little lake. It's nice and calm. Now, there's lots of whirlpools out there. They're sucking money down to the bottom of the lake. Things in crypto, SPACs, disruptive technology. Hey, you know what? The casinos are open again. Maybe people should go there and gamble with their money, and maybe they can lose it all. You can lose it all in crypto. You can make money. I don't know. I don't care about that stuff. Not my portfolio. Never will be. <laughs> Well, you know what, Dad? It's like Ryan said last week, you know, the greatest disruptor of all is that real life starting to hit. So people are going to get out and do like real world things. They're not going to sit in front of their computer and mess around with cryptocurrencies and buying SPACs. You know, they're going to go out and experience the world. And, you know, as a credit to that, we're going to experience higher GDP growth than we've experienced over the last few years. Yeah, well, we just had GDP growth revised for the month and it came in at 6.4%. Hey, that's not a revision. That's what it came in in last month, (laughs) 6.4%. Meanwhile, unemployment is just trending lower every month after month. We keep hitting pandemic lows. Well, I think the big thing here is you're hearing a lot of the prognosticators or all the quote unquote experts on Wall Street talking about how a lot of this is, we say transitory, that's what the Fed talks about, how all of a sudden big tech stocks are probably going to have a big rebound. That's where to put your money again. You know, They had a sell-off. And again, like I said earlier in the show today or at the intro, is big tech's done nothing all year. But I think what we're talking about here, and one thing we've talked about week after week, is we're identifying a longer-term trend. This is a couple-year trend. You know, the fact that we're going to start seeing this inflationary pressure, that the economy is going to run hotter. Now, you're starting to hear about this $6 trillion stimulus plan or infrastructure plan that the government's planning to spend even more money. So, you know, there is some negatives to that too, but the positive of that is, is the economy is just going to rock and roll. And again, you have to adjust your portfolio because it's not the same portfolio the last 10 years. We just hammer it home every single week. If you guys remember your kindergarten teacher that it would come up with a word for the day, and then they would teach you to use it in a sentence. Well, I found out where she ended up. She's down in Washington, D.C., because the, the word of the week was transitory. Every federal official had to use it in a sentence. Uh, housing prices, transitory. Oil, transitory. Uh, gas prices, transitory. Inflation, transitory. I mean, it's the word of the week. I can't wait to see what they come up with next week. Jeremy Siegel from Wharton says that he expects inflation to go to 20% over the next three years. And he's thinking that the Fed is probably going to have to reevaluate raising rates as soon as this fall. Yeah, I think the point of it is the Fed knows that inflation is not transitory. They've already known that for a long time. They just don't want to shock the market. 
So we're going to see that language change over the summer. And I agree with Professor Siegel you know, from Wharton School Penn. I mean, I think the bottom line is you know, we could see them change their tune on a dime, really. By the fall, we could actually see it like, hey, we need to start raising interest rates. It can be a different conversation in a couple months. Hey, Ryan, I heard a rumor the other day that the only reason Jerome Powell keeps telling us that they're going to keep interest rates low is because he's really campaigning to keep his job. There's rumors that the Biden administration wants to put somebody else in there, and he wants to be reelected to the Fed. And he's hoping that if he keeps rates down, keeps the economy booming, helps out the administration in the midterms, he's got a good shot at keeping that. So yeah, I wouldn't put it past him, but I'll tell you what, you can't control the market. So whether we're going to have hyperinflation or low inflation, no inflation, transitory inflation, you, know, you just have to be prepared in your own portfolio because no one in the government is going to take care of you. Well, I'll tell you what, Dad, it's pretty scary. You know, we analyze something like 50 portfolios a month. And I actually met with a prospective client on Monday night, and his portfolio was 100% in long-term bonds. And his advisor at the time was saying that this is the best possible thing to be in. And I said, well, how old is your advisor? And he said, he's 40 years old. I said, well, guess what? He's never experienced an inflationary environment, and these types of funds get absolutely crushed. And this is like everything we've been seeing in all these portfolios that come in. They've got all these long-duration asset classes, and people just aren't prepared for what's going to be coming down the road. Well, some people are, Chris. They happen to be our clients. But when it comes to long-duration assets like you're talking about, you know, the 10-year Treasury bond is only yielding 1.6%. Dr. Siegel thinks it should be trading at about 3%. In other words, he thinks interest rates are going to double. And if you're in a long-term bond fund, bond fund that has bonds that become due in 20, 25, 30 years, you're already down 15%. You're going to be down 40, 50% this year if Dr. Siegel's half right. The two biggest mistakes that I see right now investors are making, obviously, we don't like bond funds. We talk about it every week. You know, it's like you think about paying capital management, you think it's synonymous with we hate bonds or bond funds rather. Let's, <laughs> we do like bonds for the record. But the other mistake that investors are making, and this is like a very common mistake is, well, then I got to be diversified. And that's such an overused term in our industry, diversification. And when we say diversification, it's like, I'll just own the S&P 500. And it sounds so common sense. I'll own 500 stocks. So obviously, I'll be diversified. But as you and I know, guys, it doesn't work that way because of the capitalization weighting of the S&P. It actually doesn't represent the entire market. So in order to really be diversified, to own the entire market, you have to have different weighted ETFs or index funds. You know, there's small company stocks, mid-company stocks, large company stocks. And you say, well, I own the S&P 500. Well, I own 500 companies. But you really don't because the larger companies get a bigger vote. So you can have five stocks be accountable for the whole performance of that index. So if they underperform, then you're going to end up losing money. But you know what? I'd rather see you invest in an index fund than to follow Jim Cramer on CNBC, who does Are You Diversified on his segment. And if you're in five stocks, he rings a bell hits a button, jumps up and down, throws confetti, says, hey, you're diversified. Now, if that's diversification, I've got some swamp land I need to sell you down here in Florida. What's the price, Bob? I want to know. Well, the thing about the S&P 500, I'm going to pick on this a little bit because it is a big deal, is half the weighting is in tech, communication services, quote unquote, which is just tech, and consumer discretionary stocks, which have also gone through the roof. So they're really the most expensive stocks in the market. And meanwhile, we talk about this with the reopening of the economy. You always have to think old school versus new school. So that's like energy stocks, material stocks, banks, industrials, like all these old school industries that tend to do, and they are doing the best. We called this six months ago. And again, this is a longer term trend. This is like a couple year trend, not just a transitory trend. And you're not getting all that exposure by just owning the S&P 500. And you're starting to see that people are going to be disappointed if they own the S&P and think they're going to benefit in this big booming economy we're talking about. 
you're going to miss the boat. You've got to be smarter than just owning the S&P 500 here. Yeah, but Ryan, well, that's you know, why it's so hard. Because in the last 10 years, the S&P 500 had a great return. It outperformed just about yeah. everything in the world. But the previous 10 years of that, it had a negative return. And, you know, we don't tend to look that far back when we're trying to predict the future. We tend to, you know, predict the future based on our most recent experience. But I'll tell you the thing that really amazes me. And Chris, you brought this up. You know, we look at 50 different portfolios every month, new portfolios of prospective clients. And the best performing style and capitalization of the stock market is small company value stocks. And the majority of the portfolios we've reviewed in the last year, 10 years, 30 years, 40 years, had 0.0 in small company value stocks. So it's almost as if no one wants to be in the winners of the future. They only want to be in the rearview mirror investing in the past. Why do they miss it, Bob? Why are they as smart as you? I don't get it. I don't get it either, Ryan. You know, it drives me crazy. So guys, I was talking to another prospective client and he was telling me that he doesn't like small cap stocks because they're too volatile. And I said, well, I guess you just don't like making money very much. Well, you know, crypto is not volatile. <laughs> yeah, but right. It's a hedge against inflation. It's a hedge against inflation. Exactly. It's never been proven before. It's never been a hedge in the past, but all of a sudden now it's a hedge inflation. But I digress. You know, and just to wrap this up, a couple other trends too to think about this summer is we've got travel getting happening. Like everyone I've talked to is going on a trip this summer. You know, either they're going to go flying, they're going to be on a plane, they're going to be in their car. So, you know, the amount of oil that's going to be used, and as we're recording this right now, oil's at another recent high, is all these trends are just going to continue to ramp up. Like they're not going to slow down. The most obvious thing happening in plain sight right now is the fact that all these cyclical stocks, these more boring companies that didn't do as well the last 10 years, again, this is going to be, a, I can't emphasize this enough, this is going to last a very long time. So you've got to readjust your portfolio. You haven't missed the boat yet. No, because you look at the uh, GDP now, just reported, they think next quarter GDP is going to be 10%. Now we had record earnings in the last quarter. You've got economic activity that's coming in with more and more positive numbers almost every day. Markets forward looking. So you're going to see the market continue to ramp higher as it anticipates even better numbers in the economy. Yeah. So bottom line is everything we talk about, we harp on every single week has been right. So when we do this podcast over the next six months, we'll look back and say, again, we were right. Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode 40, Pain Points of Wealth. And we have doubled our listenership over the last month. So thank you for your support. If you like our podcast, you love it please don't be shy. Click on that like button, subscribe to our channel, click the notification key so you can get all our new content every single week. We're going to keep coming out with great new content. So show us some love, click the like button, subscribe. All right, gentlemen, the tipping point, we pinpoint the pain point, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, you know, given our collective, Jesus, how many years now? 75 years of experience in the financial services industry. I feel old. The fact that our firm, Pain Capital Management, we analyze close to like 50 portfolios a month, you know, probably some of the most volume that any firm sees on Wall Street. And we see every strategy under the sun. So I thought we could talk today about a lot of these offers or what we call these shiny objects that a lot of the financial services firms like to pitch and like to sell you and because we do the analysis and we break these products down all the time, a lot of times there's a lot of like buyer beware because a lot of things that Wall Street's trying to sell you right now, shocking, is usually not in your best interest. This is what I love about our industry right now because you have price compression, right? Everything is less expensive, less expensive to trade, less expensive to invest in portfolios. Well, you know, that only helps us as consumers and investors, but it really hurts Wall Street. So they have to keep coming up with these new ideas. And by the way, there are never any new ideas, just old ideas repackaged. And it always comes wrapped in this shiny brochure. 
Beware the shiny brochure. <laughs> well, I think that one time you told me this, and this is actually true, is you get that shiny brochure and you have to go all the way through it. It's like a textbook. And you say, if you go to the fine print all the way at the end, and there's always one caveat. If this one thing happens, the entire product blows up. And you said, usually the crazy thing is, is it actually happens and this product blows up. And what it reminds me of is Lehman Brothers had these structured products, which firms still sell today, by the way, that were backed by Lehman Brothers. And it was like guaranteed your principal, you're guaranteed a return. It was amazing. The only problem is this thing blew up if Lehman Brothers went out of business. Guess what happened? Lehman who? <laughs> Lehman Brothers went out of business. Dad, you and I worked on a case a few weeks ago where the client had, I guess it was a structured product from Merrill Lynch, where it was a, it followed the S&P 500, but did downside. But what the advisor failed to mention to the client was that they also didn't get a lot of the upside either. No, I tell you, that's the problem with Wall Street. They, a lot of it has to do with investors' mentality, right? There's a price of investing, right? And a lot of people don't want to pay the price because the price is volatility. And you know it's unpredictable, it's unknowable, it can come and go at any time. So all these different firms try to promise you, I can give you all the upside with none of the downside. All you have to do is pay me four or five times you know, what it normally would cost you. So because you don't want to pay the price, you end up paying a higher price to get a lower return, if that makes sense. Well, you know, one of those structured products specifically, because they're selling them a lot right now, because a lot of these portfolios we're looking at from the big firms, is the one other thing they fail to mention is they strip out the dividends. And if you look at the stock market long term, you know, 40% of your turn has nothing to do with the market going up. It's the dividends that you receive, and they don't give them to you. So you're already guaranteed to get less return regardless if the market goes up or down because they take out the best part of the investment, they strip out the dividends, then invariably you could be compounding every single year. And there's no secret, you know, the magic of investing is the compounding and these brokerage firms take it away from you. They steal it from you and they put it in their own pocket. It's insane. That kind of sums up the world right now, right? I think that's brilliant yeah. because when you, Chris, when we do our wealth projections and we look at the rate of return, that ROI, that return on investment that our clients need to achieve their goals, you know, two thirds of that's coming from dividends and interest, which we know are going to consistently come in. Where you look at portfolios that the way they're structured today, the ones that we're reviewing, they're heavily weighted in tech, doesn't pay a dividend. They're heavily weighted in bond funds that pay dividends, but interest. But the problem is they're going down almost every quarter as much as the interest that they're paying. So you do a wealth projection and as portfolios come in, we're going, you're missing out on half the return just because you're structured improperly. Well, it's actually scary right now because we know that Bitcoin doesn't pay a dividend and these cryptocurrencies don't pay a dividend, but you can actually lend your cryptocurrency out to someone else and they pay you like 11, 12% a year. What investors don't realize this is fraught with risk. Like when you lend out your Bitcoin to somebody else, what are they doing with your Bitcoin that they're giving you 12%? There's a good chance you're not getting that Bitcoin back eventually when the music stops. And I think a lot of investors don't realize that. Someone put a comment in our YouTube channel, you should buy crypto because of all the income you can generate on it. And I'm thinking, oh my God, <laughs> you, know, you have no idea how risky that is. It's not like getting a dividend from Exxon who sells oil and has revenue and profits. You're lending it to somebody else who's doing God knows what with your crypto. You know, I love to do Monte Carlo simulations where you can see the, the best case, worst case scenario based on history. I mean, the crypto market has such a short history, but the Monte Carlo simulation must look like a, you know, an electrocardiogram you know, while you're having a heart attack. <laughs> That's when you can actually go back and you look at how things returned in the past, which actually does give you a little bit of a, uh, you know, understanding how things can perform in the future. So, you know, the other thing is actually talking about hypotheticals is these insurance companies love to do this when they pitch their annuities and some of their other products is they cherry pick 
the time in the past when you would have invested in that product. They picked the perfect time frame. So you think, oh, this is amazing. Look what it did in the past. But they cherry pick the time and you might miss out on like a bear market. There's so many things that are convoluted when they show you those hypos that like you really, you're not getting a real picture when they actually show the, the insurance companies are the worst at this. It's like false advertising, basically. And right, I actually think it's illegal for the rest of the industry to do that, except for the insurance companies. Well, you got to remember, guys, insurance is not covered by the SEC. They're not under the scrutiny that we're under. They're not held to the fiduciary standard. They can pretty much do whatever they want. And I love it when they show these periods, like you said, right, they cherry pick this period where this product actually performed in a fashion that's unlike anything you've ever seen in history. And you turn around, you ask the same presenter, all right, show me what my client would have made if they bought this five years ago or 10 years ago. Oh, no, we can't show you that. <laughs> we can't show you that. The ones that are the biggest culprits are the ones where they say, like, you don't get the downside, but you get some of the upside. You get most of the upside. But they only do that over the last booming bull market that we just had. They don't show it you when the market collapsed back in 2008 and 2009. Because your point, Bob, oh, no, sorry, our projections don't go back that far, which is just BS. <laughs> it's complete trickery. They don't realize that annuities are not bonds. They said, well, why do we want to have bonds in a portfolio? Why don't we just use our fixed annuity or our indexed annuity because it doesn't have any downside? They don't understand. You can't rebalance a portfolio with an illiquid investment. Well, I think one of the things you have to look at, especially in these it's too good to be true type of situations, you have to look at what you're giving up. You know, A lot of these insurance companies are making claims that this is guaranteed. But what do you give up to get that guarantee? You know, you pay more in expense, are you getting less return? You know, there are no free lunches on Wall Street. Well, you know, I tell you, I got a call from Uncle Al yesterday and he got his hair cut and his barber said his insurance guy came up with an investment that's going to make 12% a year for the next five years. He wants to know if he should look into it. I said, I'll get back to Uncle Al. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, that is probably the one good rule of thumb when it comes to investing. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. <laughs> I had a client once many years ago, it was between when the financial crisis happened, that was offered a 7% interest rate on their money in a money market fund overseas. And at the time, you know, money market funds were paying 3%. And I just said to this client, I said, you know, look, I don't know what they're doing. And look, I can't even analyze this, but I can just tell you if you're getting a 7% in a 3% world, it's a problem. So this woman wired her money overseas. I told her not to do it. And of course, it was a Ponzi scheme. So that stuff happens all the time. It continues to happen. So it's a big red flag if it sounds too good to be true. Principal protection. You don't get any of the downside. Trust me, you're paying for it. You might not know you're paying for it. And we can run the analysis and show you. But somewhere, some way, the insurance company is winning, not you. Well, see, I don't understand this, guys. How is there so much fraud out there when everybody I see with a shingle hanging outside their office says they're a financial advisor? How can possibly they do anything wrong? I mean, it just it blows my mind. Well, the definition of a financial advisor is pretty broad. And Ryan mentioned a few weeks ago on our podcast that becoming a financial advisor is a pretty low hurdle. So pretty much anybody can be a financial advisor and call themselves one. But the reality is they're not really exactly doing what's in your best interest. That's how Bob got in the industry. Come on. No one else could hire him back in the day. <laughs> hey, it's like a joke. I said, when I got out of college in 75, there was 11% unemployment, guys. I was lucky to get a job. <laughs> He only got hired because of his great hair. Yeah. So look, we'll wrap this up. Long story short is there's so many sounds good to be true products that get offered on Wall Street. If it does sound too good to be true, it probably is. Don't walk away, run away. You've got to be really careful, especially when you're putting together your financial plan, trying to plan for the rest of your life. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead, financially speaking, at literally any stage of your journey. 
But if you want a more hands-on approach and you've saved over $500,000, you can apply for a complimentary financial review. Simply click on the link below or go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. We literally will look at everything for you. We'll look at a full audit of your investments, the fees you're paying. We'll look at tax optimization. We'll do a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right path to financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan and see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 40, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, you love our content, show us some love, click the like button, subscribe to our channel, and click that notification key so every week you can be notified when we have a new Pain Points of Wealth podcast coming your way. All right, gentlemen, hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Bob, in upstate New York, an idled coal plant has been restarted, fueled by natural gas, to mine cryptocurrency. Amazing. Yeah, you know, it's amazing, right? I never knew that cryptocurrency was buried up in upstate New York. I mean, is that where the mines are? (laughs) Chris has got a house full of gold bitcoins in his basement. (laughs) Chris, conventional thinking is usually wrong. Remember how millennials weren't going to buy homes? Well, now home sales are at their highest level since the housing bust. Remember how today's consumers valued experiences over things? Well, spending on recreational vehicles and goods, such as televisions and boats, are up 14%. Well, I remember last March at the bottom of the pandemic, everybody told me, Chris, the market's going to take years to recover. It's going to be years before things get better. We should get out now because it's not going to get any better for a long time. Well, guess what? That didn't happen either. Isn't it amazing when people think in groups how wrong they are? The other thing is millennials will never use financial advisors. And I think the fastest growing segment of our client base are millennials. (laughs) So they're all going to use robo-advisors. Never happened. Bob, Southeast Asia, which includes Thailand, Vietnam, and a half dozen smaller countries, offers more than 600 million consumers, basically double the US. The key economies are growing 5% a year or more, are starting the leapfrog process from corner shops dealing in cash to digitize sales, deliveries, and payments. Sounds like a lot of opportunity to me, Bob. Yeah, when you have a, uh, it's twice the US and they have access to the internet so they can see how you and Chris have, well, and that's what they want. They want to have your lifestyle. So you guys are big influencers and sell. I think it's a recipe for a winning stock market. I'd have a lot of money overseas if I were you. Well, hey, yeah, number one, you have to have a global portfolio like we do. Number two, my 300 Instagram followers is probably influencing the world. We know that. Chris, China's first rover on Mars, the sixth wheeled, I'm not even pronouncing this right, but the Zurong, landed on the morning of May 15th. Zurong is expected to spend 90 Martian days known as souls. On the red planet, souls are about 39 minutes longer than days on Earth. Never knew that. I think the real solution to longevity is probably just moving to Mars because time does last longer there. I think Bowie was right when he said, is there life on Mars? We should all go to Mars. (laughs) I'm I'm booking SpaceX tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) All right, gentlemen, another great show. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. 
Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.